So, so one of my favorite passages is uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 8 and 9, which reads, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. And we are struck down, but not destroyed. And to me, this is the very epitome of hope. That no matter what our condition is, that condition is so far from detracting from the glory of God that that condition itself becomes an occasion to advance the glory of God. And that God is always open for us an outlet. He's always affording us help. And that under God's protection, we are safe. And ultimately, that God is near. And for me, this nearness of God is often felt in community. A community of people who acts as God's hands and heart to do good for other people. Speaking of community, over 25 years ago, uh, a community saw a need. And that need was to provide support to the homeless. That community then saw another need to provide food to the homeless. That community then found a need to provide some substance abuse support. And 26 years later, uh, that community, All Saints, acts as God's hands and heart to do good for others in the form of covenant community. And as our culture is filled with words such as epidemic, as we read and see stats that say that Georgia overdose uh, deaths are one of the highest in the country, which is extremely alarming, we must remember that God has given us community and that God has given us an outlet and God has given us hope, particularly through covenant community, to really tackle this issue uh, in our country. We have on our platform today uh, two of our residents who's going to share uh, a bit of their story and their triumph, how they have now, you know, from addiction uh, is experiencing hope. And particularly two of our parishioners here at All Saints who, who give their time, give their time daily, you know, to provide, you know, a fortified community for our guys so that they will thrive in their recovery. Good morning. I'm a Yankee from New Jersey. My name's Jeremiah Chang. And I'm a very good morning. And I'm a very proud and grateful member of Covenant Community. And I'd like to share what you brought what brought me here. And I hope everybody today can gain something from my experiences. I will start with a definition. Co-occurring disorder is a term for people who experience mental illness and substance use disorder simultaneously. I suffer from major depression disorder, or MDD, which is a hereditate trait of insufficient serotonin in the brain, and about a third of my family suffers along with me. MDD has been a part of my life since before I can remember, and I know it's gonna be a struggle for the rest of my days. Around the age of six, my father was sentenced to 15 years of federal prison, leaving my mother of five children to claim bankruptcy, re-enroll in college, and work multiple jobs to support us. The absence of parental figures during my formidable years 
I left a heavy impact and void in my life. And irrationally, I took that shame into my father's wrongdoings and turned them inwardly, becoming ashamed of myself, diminishing my self-esteem, and increasing my depression. All of this combined was the precursor to my first suicide attempt at the age of eight. Simply put, I did not know how to deal with the infelicities of my situation, and my life progressed into an emotional roller coaster from there on out. Being the youngest of five, I was always watching TV and films that were mature for my age. And I began to take notice how drugs were depicted on the screen. It was very apparent to me that alcohol and other drugs had the uncanny ability to instantaneously alter your state of mind. At last, I thought I found a solution to all my depressions. I then knew without a shred of doubt that drugs were going to be a big part of my future. Then at the age of 12, I obtained my first drug. It was a morphine pill. It was my escape, my first love. It was my panacea. From that point forward, it was game on, so to speak. And I left a trail of drugs, alcohol, debauchery, neurosis, and deceit in my wake. But it wasn't until college that I first experienced physical addiction and withdrawal. Alcohol, cocaine, and meth were the drugs of choice at that time, even though I indulged in anything I could get my hands on. And being as smart as I was, I thought I knew exactly what to do. I would increase my use of opiates to get rid of the wrecks, the other addictions. At least I thought it was a smart idea at the time. In retrospect, I self-diagnosed and self-medicated with every aspect of my life. I used any excuse to get high, whether I was depressed, happy, bored, or even if I yawned, I used. I used to live and live to use. But in the midst of all this chaos, I still managed to graduate college with flying colors and excel in my career in fine woodworking. And in terms of employment, it seemed as though my life was right on track. I would quickly climb up the ladder to assistant foreman or foreman positions in any woodworking job I had. And I achieved all of this while obtaining a consistent high. I thought I was a functioning addict, but in retrospect, I now realize that a functioning addict is only an addict that's in recovery. During active addiction, I always thought I was helping my depression and anxiety through drugs, but little did I know I was developing substance-induced mood disorder, and if I wasn't high, I'd be irate, paranoid, empty, and suicidal. As this progressed, I coped by increasing my drug intake and graduating to even harder drugs. And for the last five years of active addiction, I went from painkillers to snorting heroin to injecting heroin to speedballing, which for me was injecting crack cocaine and heroin at the same time. Turning to the needle sent me so far down the rabbit hole that it was no mistake that I was no longer the functioning addict that I thought I was. I isolated, lost apartments, lost jobs and friends, burned many bridges, and lost the respect of my family. I felt hopeless and that sobriety and happiness was simply unattainable for this lost cause. Which brings me to February of this year, where I hit my bottom. Hopelessness, worthlessness, and shame consumed me to the point where I attempted suicide for the second time in my life. I'm here today, so obviously I failed. And that's exactly how I felt at the time, a failure. I was angry and upset about it. So after about a week in Grady's Behavioral Health Unit, upon getting out, I needed to get high. And I got my girlfriend to pick up for me while I was at work. And on, upon coming home, I found her in an overdose state lying haphazardly on the bathroom floor with death in her eyes. Well, luckily, I had Narcan. I administered it, 
revived her. But the image of what I thought to be her dead body has been permanently etched into my psyche. The very next day, I started an outpatient program and got clean for the first time in 22 years. I thought I was doing everything I needed to do. I got on Prozac for my depression. I attended NA meetings and I wasn't getting high and I felt really good, but in actuality, I was just a dry addict. Meaning, I wasn't doing drugs, but I wasn't working on the underlying issues that caused me to use in the first place. The result was a relapse this past June, and within a month, I was worse off than I was before. But with that small stint of sobriety that I had just experienced, I at least had a shimmer of hopefulness that sobriety and a happy life was attainable. All I needed to do was find the right place. Fortunately, I discovered com Covenant Community. I'll never be able to articulate my gratitude and appreciation for all saints and covenant. You've all welcomed me and my peers with open, non-judgmental -jud arms. Also with a warmth of acceptance that I haven't felt in years. I've been many detoxes, psych wards, and one other rehab, but none of them are comparable to CCI. Agreeing to their six-month program was about as scary as giving the speech to you right now. <laughs> But being here where openness and empathy is abundant everywhere I look, I know I'm in the right place. And with my newly found determination and readiness to change my life and to get sober, I can feel in my bones that this will be the last time that I'll be in a treatment facility. And an amazing future for me is imminent. Covenant Community has an amazing staff that has truly given me the propensity to lead the sober and happy life that I deserve. For those who aren't familiar, Residents at Covenant Community get a heavy regimen of counseling and intense classes where we learn the necessary coping skills, relationship skills, self-actualization, and they also teach us how to respect ourselves and administer self-love. The latter I, cur I currently hold very dear because self-love is something that my, that my neurosis never allowed. Only a year ago, my self-worth was non-existent, my desire to live didn't exist, and when I was alone, I was with bad company. Simply put, I did not love myself. But as of today, November 18th, 2018, I currently have 112 days clean and sober. <laughs> and not only that, my anxiety is non-existent. My depression is at an all-time low, and I realize that I have everything to live for, and mark my words, I'll never take life for granted again. The most important thing that I've learned is that I deserve the best in life and nothing but the best. I believe this because today I am my best self and I should never settle for anything less. Along with my new coping skills and self-worth, All Saints and Covenant has taught me not only how to enjoy life again, but how to enjoy it sober. Activities like going bowling, golfing, concerts, or going to the Graves Lake House has really shown me that I don't need drugs to have fun. Members like Ann Stewart, Miss Klump, Lisbeth, and many others through their insight dinners and attending our activities has really shown me that I do not need to be ashamed of where I come from, what I've done, or who I am. The bad decisions I made in the past does not make me a bad person today. My past does not predict my future like I once thought it did. I'm not the social parasite I once believed I was, and I am and always have been everything I ever wanted to be. I just needed something like CCI to show me this, and I know they have a lot more to teach me, and I'm excited for that. I'd especially like to thank Jonathan, our executive director, my personal counselor, Bernice Davis, and my adopted counselor, Marceline Uchiso, for always having an open door for when I needed to talk, teaching me self-respect, putting up with my tenacity, nonsense, and quirkiness, 
but I would mainly like to thank them for being the genuine people they are and for wholeheartedly caring about me and my recovery. I've been told that every good speech ends with a quote, so I chose this one from Anne Frank because it sums up what Covenant community has shown and taught me. <coughs> Everyone has inside them a piece of good news. The good news is that you don't know how great you can be, how much you can love, what you can accomplish, and what your potential is. Thank you. Jeremiah, we are deeply proud of you. Um, you're such an inspiration to us all. I hear through the grapevine that when he graduates, he's coming for my job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to keep my eye out on him. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, again, you know, one of the amazing things about Covenant Community is that our guys are layered with community. You know, they have their own community, the therapeutic community. They have staff there who loves them, and they have the broader community, uh, you people, all saints, uh, who also encourage and inspire them each and every day. And so I want to hear from Dr. Steve, who is a parishioner here, and how uh, he volunteers uh, at Covenant. <coughs> We may have to get him a timer. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> as Jonathan said, I'm Steve Moreland. I've been a parishioner here since about 1991. And I want to talk about my participation at All Saints, but also about my service at Covenant Community. There's a difference for me between participation and service, though some of you may find it to be the same. My participation at All Saints included a couple of rotations on the vestry, a couple of rotations on the vestry. I was a senior warden. I'm a longtime usher and Eucharistic minister. I was a member of a search committee for a new priest. I was a member of an evaluation committee for a priesthood candidate. I carried the All Saints banner and the Gay, Pied, Gay Pride Parade. And I've been to Canuga for several times. But the most important part is I got married here about three years ago. I'm sure there are other areas of participation that I cannot remember, but they may not have happened, as I, my memory has kind of gone away over the past four years. But all that was about participation. Service, however, is different. It is about being in the moment, an integration of the soul, the heart, and the inner being. I began service, service as I see it, with my association with Covenant Community. Just before Martha Stern completed her time as interim rector here, we went to lunch. I told her I'd been thinking about volunteering at Covenant, but I did not know what I could do there and asked her suggestions. She said in her own inimitable way, well, Steve, you could just show up <laughs> and see what happens. Somebody will probably need you. So I showed up talked with Jonathan, the director. He said, welcome. 
probably to reassure myself, I wanted him to know my credentials for service or coverage. So I told him I practiced obstetrics and gynecology <laughs> for about 20 years, and it's that specialty is a lot of OJT, on-the-job training for psychiatry. Uh, some of you will understand that. I also told him I'm an alcoholic in recovery with 11 years of sobriety, plus I've had seemingly endless years of therapy, dealing with family alcoholism, abuse, <coughs> and general dysfunction, along with the forever AA and Al-Anon meetings. I also said I was strictly a volunteer. He said again, welcome but more enthusiastically. <laughs> and I was definitely qualified to serve at Covenant. My service then began as talking, hanging out, getting to know the guys, their stories, their strengths and their weaknesses, and to realize how far they'd already progressed in their recovery from alcohol and drug addiction by being at Covenant. <coughs> a therapeutic community. My, my, excuse me, my relationship with the guys has progressed dramatically over time. I'm now a staff counselor. There have been times over the past year that I've had weeping men on my shoulder, holding me. They tell me of their intense, deep pain, their darkest secrets, sobbing as they open their souls to admit that they cannot handle it anymore. They don't know what to do next. They cannot, <coughs> they have lost a relationship. They do not have a dad or mom to love them in a healthy way. That they have totally messed up their children, or they think they did. That they are not the man they wanted to be. They are weak, they are lost, they are not worthy, they are not enough, and the list goes on. For the most part, they want to be held tightly as they weep, wanting reassurance that it is okay, perhaps that it will be all right. They are loved and can love themselves. I listen trying to give them comfort, support, and encouraging words, reminding them they are in a safe place, they're not on the street, and far away from the bluff. At other times, it's much less intense. It is about how are things, what's going on, talking about their experience, strengths, and always their hope. Those conversations are intimate, but not the raw story of pain and loss. As they say, how do you feel now? I never understood that. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with all of this. It helps me be the man God wanted me to be, the man I have wanted to be and have come to that reality through service 
the covenant community. These men, through their hard work, studies, counseling, and guidance, through their strong commitment to sobriety in a safe and loving covenant community environment, are bringing themselves back to a productive, self-supporting life and to their families and communities. That is October. Thank you. Again, thank you, Dr. C, for all you do. I must say when he said he practiced gynecology, I'm thinking, oh, God. I, I'm going to really have to be creative <laughs> on this one here. <laughs> uh, but as he said, as Martha Stern, you know, you know uh, directed him to just show up, right? And he showed up. And I think one of the interesting things about covenant community uh, for volunteers, if there's something you, you are passionate about that you like to do, you know, we will find ways to make it true and part of our joinings at Covenant. Uh, Lisbeth Hendricks contacted me um, and was asking about volunteer opportunities. You know, and I think at first she wanted me to plug her into a program of some sorts. Um, and we got into her, her interest in cooking. Uh, and she walked through our kitchen and said, hey, it looks like 14 men live here. Uh, <laughs> And I said, yes, 14 men live here. <laughs> and so she has committed herself, you know, to making our kitchen functional uh, and, and, and even, you know, providing <laughs> and even providing uh, food, you know, once a month uh, for our guys. Um, about two weeks ago, uh, she taught the guys how to set a table with napkins and <laughs> forks and plates and what have you. So, Lisbeth, can you just share a little bit about your time at Covenant Community? <laughs> Jonathan neglected to mention that we were in Ellis Hall, and I thought this was just going to be a small little group talking. So, uh, my memory of how this started is a little different than Jonathan's. I also have been a longtime member of All Saints, early 70s. Barry and my father married me here. Uh, my husband's buried in the cemetery out here. Sorry. Anyway, I retired last year, and I knew I wanted to do something, but I wasn't sure what. And I thought about it for a long time, and I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you all can do this. You can do it
Elizabeth is such, such a joy. She just recently um, uh, had a milestone birthday. I won't say the age. <laughs> uh, but but she had her friends to uh, uh, to donate to the kitchen <laughs> fund uh, as opposed to giving her gifts and so giving herself gifts. And so we appreciate all the love. Uh, we appreciate you continuing to uh, to reinforce family through meals, um, and you know we love you with all our hearts. Yeah, yeah. So we believe that the fourteen guys really are the heart of covenant. They really are, you know, the pulse, the beat, um, and in a lot of ways, uh, teach staff community. And I think in a lot of ways also um, provide all saints with a picture of community as well and so uh we have one more guy here johnny mike who's going to share uh, a little bit about his story uh and how he turned addiction into hope hey he's coming for his job i'm coming for his title (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um my name is johnny michael Maldovin the third uh my dad died whenever i was one on my way to my baptism um so my mother remarried uh a little bit after that with seven of my siblings. <coughs> I was the only man, uh, especially carrying my dad's name. Uh, I took on a lot of abuse from my stepfather. Uh, my entire family did. We beat my mom until two strokes. Um, so uh, it, we finally escaped into 94 and went to the Carolinas, uh, where we, we I felt like we was we was rich, but it was, I found out later we wasn't. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was all off of love, um, and and that that's what really really gets me going. Now I'm the emotional one of the house. Uh, I, I I was trying not to cry in front of all you guys just when they're speaking, because uh, I I'm really in touch with my feelings. I was raised by women, uh, all my siblings, uh, all women. <laughs> so um, I I. Uh, I grew up in a pretty good home. I mean, it, like I said, it was filled with love. Um, it wasn't until I, I met other people and, and their families and I couldn't understand it. That's, that's whenever I started experimenting and trying to fit in with other guys, uh, attaching on to, to my friend's father because I didn't have that. I yearned for it, still do, <coughs> and I definitely find it in Covenant now. Um, uh, everybody out here is a mentor for me, a role model, um, I- especially all the, I, I, I became so humble, and I didn't think I could come become any more humble in life. Um, it just everything that happens in this community is just, just so humbling. I mean, I cry in the shower, I cry at night before I go to bed, I cry whenever I laugh, it, it's just, I couldn't even hear a perfect tune anymore, so, uh. <laughs> I, I am very nervous because this is real dear to me. Um, I'm 110 days. Me and, me and Jeremiah started. <laughs> Thank you. Jeremiah and I actually started this journey together, um, and, and we're going to complete it together. Right. But uh, <coughs> I, it, throughout my 20s, um, you know, I, I had my first. Let me back up a little bit. I had my first son at 14. Um, you know, it, uh, I've had him this entire life. I'm 31 now, um, and my daughter, she's 14. I had her at 16. I've had her my entire life, their entire life. 
and it's <coughs> it's knowing that I didn't have a father, I did not want them to experience that w- with me or their mother, um, and and they still don't. Um, I'm absent for the moment, but I'm coming back strong. Um, so I, I I've, I've suffered through with a lot of depression in life. Um, I, I I suffer from what you can't put. I can't separate empathy and sympathy, and and it it really really is hard for me to do. So I've learned how to just cover up all my depression with a smile, be strong for the next sibling, be strong for my children at a very early age. So I, I just had to wear a, a big vest, um, and I never gotten to take care of my problems and until covering them, um, and I'm still working on them and. I've learned how to record my depression, um, my my emotional state, I should say. <laughs> if, if I get very energetic afterwards, Covenant has taught me, you know, like th- what that was a relief. In, instead of taking me into a dark rabbit hole, it's pulling me out towards the light, and I I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so I, I started a company, uh, 25 years old. It's still successful, still running, um, and uh, <coughs> it, it just it became too much on me, um, and and I hurt my knee, went through ACL surgery, several of them, Percocet became an, an issue, uh, then then Percocets became a real issue when it came to money, because um, I'm always thinking smarter, <laughs> not harder, uh, so I, I found heroin, it's cheaper. Um, and uh, I, I went went down that really dark, dark hole. My, my addiction was a depression. I never got high to get happy. Um, it, it, I sat in bathrooms for 18 hours at a time. You know, I, I overdosed twice. I, I went, I've suffered two heart attacks. Uh, I tried to commit suicide. I spent 14 months out of the last three years in the hospital. Um, actually had a drug dealer meet me in the hospital and uh, and and he he brought me a really bad batch. I had pick lines in my arm, and uh, I I administered it through the pick line. It went straight to my heart, <coughs> right there in the hospital. Uh, thankfully, that's where I was, where God put me. Uh, my mother didn't leave my side the entire three months I was in there. Um, she she bathed there just like I did, ate there, great hospital food. Uh, <laughs> but she slept on a little cot, and uh, and she's not in the best best of health either because uh, she's had a rough life. But it, it it just made me more depressed to know she was there. So I, I wanted to do right when I left the hospital. I, I really did for her. So uh, <coughs> that didn't last real long because you can only hold a smile for so long. Um, and uh, when you get alone, that's when it really hits you. Your depression. It, it tears you apart, and, uh, and if you don't have the relationships that I'm building here now in Georgia with, with the Lord, um, I, I have I've never had that relationship. First off, he's a he's a male um, in in the stories in the Bible, uh, so I couldn't relate to it. I, I honestly couldn't, and <coughs> I'm learning how to now. So, uh, but. I overdosed in my little sister's bathroom uh, for the last time uh, recently, 
And while I was recovering from that overdose, and uh, I, you know, it really, really messed her up. We're real close. While I was recovering from that on the couch, when I got back from the hospital, all my siblings were there, my, my entire family. You know, it, we're, you might as well say all of our houses should be combined and we put them all in one house. So uh, I wake up and uh, they, they were, they saw uh, Creflo Dollar on TV. And uh, this lady had lost her son and uh, to an overdose. She started the zone here in Georgia. Um, she, uh, so it's for, for refuge youth. Um, so she mentioned St. Jude. Um, my sister and them, they, they're, they're very religious as well. So they, uh, they, they called St. Jude and we drove here. It took five trips, detoxing in a car. It just so happened every single time, every, everybody that rode in here had to go back to work from the Carolinas to here. Uh, so it took me five trips in one week. And uh, that's where I met George, uh, Jeremiah in the parking lot. <laughs> and uh, we were both detoxing sick in the parking lot, very nervous. And this is something new to both of us. Um, and uh, so that, that's where it began. And, uh, and I, I, plan, I originally planned on sticking at St. Jude's uh, uh, program, but something said, hey, uh, we heard one bed was open. And I said, Jeremiah, I'm gonna go with you to support you. And uh, you can have the bed. I'll go to n any program that accept me. I really, really didn't know how long I was going to stay in this in these programs or recovery because I didn't know once you think you got it, you got it, you take off. But <coughs> and uh, neither one of us actually even thought about covenant. Um, it was other programs we wanted. We just wanted to get out of detox. <laughs> so and, uh, so <coughs> when we kind we got here and we left, we were both quiet and we walked back for a little bit. Um, we was comparing who made them laugh louder in the interview. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we got accepted, uh, and, and we accepted. And ever since then, you know, we've, we've hit the ground running. I, I put my foot in my mouth a lot. I volunteer for everything, <laughs> but I really enjoy it. Um, it but they also, they'll pull me back and, and, and let me know, hey, this is about you. Work on yourself. And uh, the, the self-love and respect I could show myself today, I'm glad I went through my addiction. I, I'm glad I, I, I went through everything. All the tears poured out. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, and uh, I, and I, don't, I don't know anything about Georgia except this and, and, and all you, you guys. I'm very thankful for you, but uh, Georgia has definitely not seen the last of me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually uh, gonna be. I'm thinking about expanding my company here, um, and and just I, I see great things in my future. And all these guys' future, Covenant, stand up. say this and finish uh, we were getting our Vivitrol shot um, recently and uh, the, our discharge specialist from St. Jude said man ever since you and Jeremiah went to Covenant there has not been any available beds <laughs> so our, our team really sticks together you know uh, we, we're a unit 
um, they, we call ourselves Recovery Team 14. Uh, you like still Team 6. <laughs> but uh, we, we're holding strong, and, and uh, hopefully all you guys will be able to see us graduate together. Thank you. Yeah, John and Mike, we thank you for your, your leadership and uh, particularly, you know, you wanting to unite the family. Again, uh, initially they called themselves the 14 Strong, and so each week <laughs> they have a new team name, <laughs> you know, with the uh, goal of all of them celebrating uh, at the same time. But interestingly enough, about 80% of folks who have substance abuse issues also have a drug diagnosis, so they have depression, bipolar, or something like that. And so it's this is why it's so important for us to not see recovery as only stopping doing something. They really need to recreate life. And so Covenant Community really affords us an opportunity to recreate life through education, uh, exposure, and experience. Um, in the interest of time, are there any questions for either me or uh, our panel here? Yes. They have uh, pamphlets, like brochures. Uh, the longer detoxes, the 20 day plus uh, detoxes, um, it, it's that's one of the reasons I came here, because it's so long. They don't want you to go out and, and be on your own. They want to find your program. So so they have kind of like brochures that run, give you a rundown of the whole whole program. And you pick off papers where you want to interview at, what, what places to eat. Um, because we are licensed through the Department of Community Health uh, as a uh, education and substance abuse treatment facility, we can only receive people from a licensed detox facility. And typically, um, a social worker or a counselor will refer guys to us as folks are transitioning out of detox. is always good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so th the program is comprised of 10 weeks of day treatment, which is intensive um, uh, supports, individual counseling, processing groups, psycho-ed groups, around five imminent threats to relapse. Once they transition out of uh, that day treatment, they enter into career services, which is about seven weeks of job readiness, job coaching in the context of sobriety. Uh, after that, um, they go into job search with some job coaching, and once they find a job, they can stay with us um, up into a year. This particular group here is suggesting we change policy, and they stay with us for two years. <laughs> but, but we do have a number of uh, programming, um, um, i.e. we have a mindfulness coach uh, who comes and teach mindfulness and medication. We have a nurse who do some healthy living wellness programming. We used to have a physical um, um, trainer who, you know, would come and, you know, teach the guys exercises. So as my hobby, 
I, um, I train, I do bodybuilding. And so if you can imagine 14 guys <laughs> and their testosterone seeing someone else, <laughs> you know, bodybuilding. So, so now we have this kind of bodybuilding craze going on through the house <laughs> and trying to build some programming <laughs> around that as well. Hey, Margaret. Yeah, so, so all guys are required to uh, do uh, attend four AA groups uh, a week. Um, that's supplemental. Uh, it is not a part of programming because we receive state funding. State funding uh, don't want us to require uh, AA a lot because of its uh, affiliation with spirituality and religion. Uh, but all guys go to at least four 12-step programs. Immediate need will, will be food, two minutes, okay, <laughs> food and clothing, and uh, people come see me. <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, like uh, Martha Stern, yeah, like Martha Stern told uh, Dr. Steve show up, and so uh, we can talk about it. Uh, in fact, uh, I am preparing a needs list uh, for Pat Kylie, um, and so she's going to uh, work on how to get that out to the the broader con uh, the congregation. As I stated in 2019, coming uh, a second facility, you know, and there, there will surely be some needs around that as well. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate all your support. <laughs> <laughs>